everyone, and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it two episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched episodes five and six of Alchemy of Souls. We did it! Oh, <laughs> I love this show, and I have my own special little rant for how much I loved it this week. <laughs> I'm sorry, I feel like we say we love it, and then we just rant about the parts that we didn't love. But is that not the fun of it? That is the fun of it. It is so fun to rag on things, on details that we're not into. It, it is, it's unfortunately more fun to rag on the things that we didn't like <laughs> as much than it is to enthuse about the things that we absolutely love. Because there are some things I really loved that I will for oh sure gosh. be bringing up in this episode. Yes. But I also have complaints and I am ready to just and I like the structure of our episodes these days <laughs> where we start off with what we don't like and transition into what we do like. Oh, that's good. So, I think that that's working out. I hope that structure is working out. I feel like it's fun to end on a positive also. Oh, for sure. I think I prefer to mix things up. I'm regretting having a rant planned for the top of two episodes in a row. <laughs> But, so we'll mix it up next week. We won't rant at the top of next week's episode. I make no promises. Emily won't rant. (laughs) I will. I will go with the vibe. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Because I, so this week's rant is sponsored by the last scene of episode six, which is also a classic play on K to be like, the very last thing I saw (laughs) is the only thing I remember. (laughs) I am just, I feel like. We had two differing paths. We had a zig and a zag mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. episode six. We had the big storylines of Master Lee finding out or seeming to find out that Mudok is actually Naksu, that she's training Homeboy to become a spirit master or whatever. He's going to be a mage. He's got a master. We're finding things out. That felt so spicy to me. I wanted to continue with that stuff, with what's Master Lee think of all this? What's his involvement going to be going forward? He's just kind of played a passive support role to those two so far. Very like, I'm just going to watch you guys and see what happens. Mm -hmm. But as he finds out more, like, what's he going to do with all this information? But we've got this Zag storyline over here that's the stupid marriage between Cho Yul and a man who never agreed to marry her, who dumped her the first time. Yeah, and then she's acting like it isn't completely within the realm of possibilities, let alone incredibly fucking likely that he's just going to show up and say... That's not going to be happening. Like, what's the plan here? Yeah, obviously he's going to show up and call this off. Yeah, or best case scenario, question mark, because it doesn't feel like a best case scenario, but best case scenario, you make him feel trapped because he has no option but to either do that or die in a duel against the crown prince. (laughs) Is that the love story that you're set in your mind is the narrative... I'm saving him because what you're doing is trapping him in a marriage with you. And you're just so convinced he'll come around to loving you. Yeah, she really turned out to... to, She's been such a letdown, these two episodes, because I really wanted her to come out as a, a really rad, capable character who 
is on the same level as all of these tough mages, and that her whole storyline is just a stupid letdown. It's just so far. I'll give them the so far. We're six episodes in. But these episodes especially, she's been nothing. She has been manipulative and gross and weird and and I absolutely hated the moment she decided she had an out from taking accountability by pinning everything on Mudiak. Like in f- the it couldn't be more infuriating. She is she's not irredeemable so far, right? We've seen worse, Almost, but she's yeah. <laughs> on track to be completely irredeemable. I don't like her. I don't want her around. I'm not interested in her. She's not compelling. She's not... She's such a letdown. Yeah. They gave us four episodes of this person who is kind of a blank slate, and then two episodes. Mudok calls her a wench at one point, and I was like, oh, that's so mean. And then I reflected for two seconds, and I was like, no, she's on the wench storyline now. She yeah. has, she's going full wench, and I don't know why they chose that for her. Like, give us the woman scorned storyline that we had. I wanted to see that. I don't mm-hmm. want to see whatever's happening now. Yeah, but I'm yes, not interested. That's part of it. Let's keep going. It's going to get worse. Because <laughs> then we have the stupid ball. The ball, the love ball. The least interesting magic item you've ever heard of in your life. That's like this ball that makes people fall slightly more in love with each other. Yeah. It's broken. She decides she's going to make Mudok take responsibility for that which the last time something got broken a man was flogged 100 times so and maybe only survived because he was a mage Mm -hmm. is her expectation that mudok's actually gonna die for this because that's like a lot yeah yeah Uh, is is that what she's going for because she wouldn't be flogged she if she just owned up to it also i just think that at the end of the day it's it's I don't know the politics, but it feels like just not that big of a deal that she tripped and fell and broke a ball of jade that is, like you said, the least interesting magical artifact that her family is the curator for or whatever. And she was like, it it was still wouldn't entirely be her fault because she was tripped. Like, she yeah. doesn't have to take full responsibility anyways. She can be like, there's a ghost in our magic room that does little tricks on people, and it tripped me and I dropped the... Th- like like you said, not that big a deal, but maybe Mudok has to die over this. I don't know. That part I'm gonna let go because maybe that's not the plan. Maybe it's not that Mudok has to die. I, I feel like it is, but, like, let's give Choyol one benefit of one doubt. Yeah. Um, moving on. The whole thing is that Mudok stole this magic item and disappeared. Once again, if Mudok got all the way into this compound full of magic items, why would she take the world's lamest one and run off with it? That's so dumb. And we need to gather the four season mages and the crown prince. Speaking of, why is the crown prince even here? Why is he? Except to amuse me, because he's honestly maybe my favorite character. He has grown on me so (laughs) right. He, where Cholio is currently the winning the award of most rapid decline in esteem for a character, he so far, surprisingly, I won't say it's the most rapid incline of esteem, but I have... (laughs) 
I he has so he has so grown on me. I enjoyed his interactions with Mutok so much. More than anything. They're my favorite duo. They might- I would actually- I'm sort of on a ship for them because I enjoy well, their- really? Yeah, well, I do think that I like them better as a weird camaraderie friendship where she just kind of pretends to be a sycophant for him and <laughs> he- kind of just lets her even though it's pretty obvious what's going on um i'm i am a very big fan of their dynamic non-romantically i will say but that said i i could see a hint of them just kind of winking at the oh well what if he just takes you on as he he kind of wanted her to come be his servant or whatever and hang out with him and like he was doing her this solid, and I like that she pretty much to his face said, uh, no, I'm not interested. Your job working for you sounds lame as shit. <laughs> I've gotta go. It's so good. It's I, such a good scene. It's so, it was immaculate. I laughed out loud, and she, yeah, I just love their dynamic, and I do not mind the not quite love triangle that is there or love freaking oblong at this point love 20 sided <laughs> die <laughs> dodecahedron everyone's pointing to mudok yeah no one everyone is in love with someone who is not in love with them and that's what this whole show is about that's what this whole show is about and i'm fine with that i love romance Make it as messy as you want. Who cares? <laughs> there's there's enough magic and beautiful clothing to distract me. Yeah. Um. But yeah, she. So everyone fr- from Songram has to show up to talk about this stupid busted jade ball that no one actually should care about, except that we care so much about property and not human lives in this show. I guess calling them out um oh see because i thought it was like that's gone we don't know where the ball is we don't know that it's broken yet it's just missing right and mudok is missing but i guess the whole thing being that yeah she would be punished one way like for stealing it or breaking it or whatever the case may be because oh that's fair it's more important than her life is or any person's life um like jungkook is gonna be the only one to walk into this meeting and be like do we think she's in danger? Whereas everyone else is like, she's a dirty little thief. That's what we think. Yeah. And it's then like, he's oh, like, no, you're prioritizing the wrong thing in this equation. A woman is missing. Yeah. And that's where we'll finally be fully on his team. Because he got better, I think, these episodes in some oh, ways. really? And worse in others. Yes. <laughs> he still I think is a we very just go difficult back and forth with him. Yeah. He's a very difficult lead to consistently root for. I consistently root for Mudok. Pretty much across the board, even when she's being very morally gray. I'm very much team Mudok. I am not always team Jungkook. So, yeah. They're setting up a lot of room for growth with him, which I get. I get that we can be like, he's not great now. He's going to build up to it. But it feels like every other episode, he has a little speech of Mudok. I I remember last episode when I acknowledged that I'm the only one you have. I'm the one who you rely on to live. 
and that is a big responsibility. And then the next episode, I'm going to tell you to go off and die. I don't care anymore. And I was like, this is, we're almost halfway through the show at this point. We're still doing this. Like, he did it. He's done it three times now. That's a lot of times to tell a woman to go off and die because you're just done with her. Yeah. He's incredibly self-centered. And yeah, he is... I mean, the only times she can even get him to care about her is if he thinks she would turn to training someone else, which is so problematic. Um, but that said, I do also enjoy the dynamic that they have of, um, I, I, it's tough to explain it. And I think I might only feel this way because I've read a bunch of, a bunch of web comics recently that have the opposite dynamic of the the man being the protector or whatever but i like how and i had kind of complained that i i wasn't sure in the first in the first podcast episode when we watched the first two episodes i wasn't sure how they would even out the power dynamic but they did a re- not only a really good job but i like their inter- how real they are with each other when they talk to each other um at least when they're getting along. I like when she serves him an uncomfortable truth and he uh like he'll push back, but then they they just are really good at the I don't know, companionable bicker, I guess, in a way that doesn't put me off. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Cuz yeah, I think Master Master Jung, Master Lee first sees them and is like that's a married couple right there. <laughs> and they have set up that dynamic without having any romance between them yet. Mm-hmm. It's like you said, it's very companionable. It's very sweet. And it's, yeah, I like that. I think I'm tired of the back and forth of like, but can we trust each other? Yeah. Mm, maybe not. Not today. Today I'm too sad about my life. <laughs> Can you just be reliable, though? Like, uh, okay, yeah, and it's only when their loyalties are tested that they're like, wait a second, I'm feeling a little bit jealous. <laughs> let's let's get back together and try and make this a stronger relationship. And you're like, oh, okay, but can you do that without the jealousy? Yeah, can you do it just on the on the day to day? No jealousy because we don't really need it to drive the plot. Currently, I don't even mind a, a little touch of jealousy here or there, but we don't really need it to drive the plot because there isn't anything between them. And so it, it's just, I don't know. But yeah, I, I do feel like I have, speaking of plots, lost the plot on my little rant that I started about how I feel about him and her and them. But I guess, yeah, there, there were just parts where I was... I was a lot more into whatever he was doing, but I did consistently hate him (laughs) deciding that he was cool just living in the wilderness and her whole deal just doesn't matter. Once again, once again, he's coming to us and saying, really, it's my comfort that matters to me. And I'm not really interested in entertaining the idea that other people might be relying on me because... I want to do what I want to do. Yeah. And obviously, 
it's like you said last time, you have to be so empathetic to him being like, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I pictured for my life. I wanted to be the head mage of this whole land. And now I'm stuck in the forest and maybe I'll have to live here forever. And I'm trying to find any ounce of happiness that I can. So just let me be. And you're like, okay, but yes, can we also look outside of yourself for just long enough to realize that it's not just about you sacrificing your own happiness for the safety of the kingdom or whatever. And like, again, not even that, because your uncle, who was supposed to tell you that it's very dangerous if you come into your powers, that you can mess everything up with the kingdom, did not tell you any of that. He instead was just like, you're not the head mage's son, so you don't deserve the position, <laughs> and left it at that. So, like, I don't know, go back and keep fighting. We only do Nepo babies here. Yes, like, what is- Jin Mu's clearly not Jonggong's son, so, like, just go- and fight for your position as head mage. <laughs> like, maybe if your uncle tells you... I know it's not his real uncle, but we're going to call him uncle because I keep forgetting his very easy name. <laughs> his uncle should just tell him, it's very dangerous. You you were born under the king star. You're going to mess everything up. You've got a destiny that you cannot even fathom. Just stay quiet so that you don't get these crosshairs put on you. I don't want you to be in danger. And let him decide, because he's an adult man. Yeah. Who can decide his own fate? Yeah, if he wants to die in some weird politics war, magic politics war, then that feels like his choice, uncle. And if he wants to go hide in the forest and be like, actually, that's a bit much for me, but I acknowledge that a lot of other people will be disappointed if I just live in the forest for the rest of my life. Like, let him make that decision, fully informed. But, yeah, don't keep putting it on him that he's just not the son of the head mage, and so he should go live in the forest and be sad. Yeah. That's weird. That's a whole weird storyline that we're doing. I have enjoyed how we are getting some training montages, finally. Some sincere, Yay! actual, we are doing some training I have really liked that. I have really liked that. Because, yeah, we get the first scene with Jong-uk being like, I'm not going to train today. And I genuinely was so mad. And then the next day, he's like, I'll train today and tomorrow and the next day until my arm explodes. Okay. And, like, props. Props where props are due. I'm yeah. proud of you for once. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, sorry. I My mind just emptied itself. Oh, no. So... Um, I, I, I <laughs> and then he's going to take his teacher to the top of the tree. That's oh, cute yeah. in a non-romantic way. Yeah. I mean, they, they made it kind of romantic when they also They're had Seo Yul, uh, offer and that, yeah, I'm, I'm not ready to think of the, the leads romantically. I, I am interested. What do you think of how much they're inputting this whole to, Seo Yule's, like, figuring out maybe who she is very slowly but surely, and that whole romantic storyline. Do we... Because I, in the past, I was like, I, I ship them more than the main characters, and I still kind of feel that, but I am also reaching a point where it feels like they're pushing it very hard on me all of a sudden, where I'm feeling pressured to ship 
a couple that I know is not going to happen. Or That's at least fair. I feel reasonably confident that Mu Dyuk and Seo Yul will not be happening. And so I, it's starting to feel a little bit force fed to me. And there are some parts of it that I like. I, I like the character building of us getting to see her backstory through the eyes and lens of Seo, Seo Yul, who I like. Um, and I, I, I like their dynamic fairly well together. I just don't like how much of it we're getting so early on where it's kind of nice, but also I know that it's not end game really. So I'm like, what are you going to do? Kill him? <laughs> <laughs> what what's gonna happen? Does he just die? <laughs> oh no! See, I thought that they were more building up. Yes, the romance for sure, which I'm still pretty into. I really like it, but also more so that even if he doesn't end up with her, he might be one of the biggest voices in keeping her alive, even if her identity does get found out. That's of fair. Being like. He's going to be one of the most empathetic to this woman's story. Yeah. I do like that. I like him for that. I like that he's slowly discovering her whole motivations for having told him to never see her again. Where he, I, I don't know, where he's sort of slowly learning maybe what happened with Songrim wasn't all above board. But we don't know because we don't know. Yeah, like... Did he not ask? Or do you think that he asked and they cut it off? I hope that he asked and they cut it off. Because if he just didn't... I guess it's just wild because the nanny... Okay, so should we talk about her backstory? Because her nanny was like, hey, if you see your your dad... Yeah, if you see your dad run and then the nanny got sorted by her dad. So for sure dad was up to something... That's, they have got actually a very compelling mystery going because I am very much playing the who's the real bad guy here. Obviously, it's the, what's his face? The Jin. Uh, Jin Mu? Yeah, Jin Mu is clearly the the baddie currently. But, um. But also the queen might be. Yeah, she seems to kind of be driving that, that bad guy vessel. Too? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Who's the big baddie? We've yeah. got baddies. We've got the Queen and Jinmu. They're clearly baddies. Mm-hmm. And they seem they're the highest that we've gotten right now. The Dead Emperor more? feels like the most like bad, <laughs> but he currently has no motivations. He's dead. So He's, dead. He's in a different camp. Yeah. Um but yeah, I guess what how does her dad's motivation, how does Mu Duk's or Naksu's dad's motivations play into this? How do I mean, why was he killing civilians? Yeah, and, he wasn't like eating their souls. He yeah. was just murdering them. He was just murdering them and then he got killed by some by the uncle. He got cut down cuz Songrim showed up. All of the four families showed up, but yeah, then we're playing the, but why did they show up game? Were they the bad guys? Were they just mitigating a bad situation? 
Who's to say? I have to assume they were mitigating a bad situation because as much as I like Naksu, I can't imagine the show flipping so hard as to be like, her perspective is the correct one. Everyone in Songnam is completely evil and they're just out to kill people and she should be able to murder them all. Like, she was right all along. Yeah. Yeah. It seems insane. But yeah, how? How did we get to... They did a very good job making me want to know so badly why her dad seemed to just snap and start killing people. Yeah. As just this astronomer? Yeah. Just this dude making maps of the sky? Without him having killed the nanny and other civilians, I assume, I would think it would have something to do with him... I guess if we were doing the whole, like, Songrim is, is, they are bad, right? If we're doing the, her perspective is correct, <laughs> and we're doing that darkest timeline type thing, then I would say he found out about the King Star or whatever. Oh, he found out that yeah. some of the records were fabricated, maybe. But that wouldn't make sense for him starting to just m- do murder of people who were not involved. <laughs> It seems a lot easier to just off that one guy yeah, really quietly instead of, yeah, it turning into his house burning down with his family inside. He's murdered everyone. And then all the mages come and cut him down. It's like, clearly he's a star man. So it has to have something to do with our main character and his king star because everything does. But what? It's gotta be so... This conspiracy runs so deep, Raquel. <laughs> It goes all the way to the top. It goes all the way to the top. (laughs) (laughs) What are we looking at here? I have no idea what's going on. I'm really bad at guessing these things. I'm stoked on it, but yeah. I I do not believe that Noxu's perspective is fully correct. I mean, we've seen enough of the uncle being like, I will do literally anything to protect Jang-uk in including, like, some intense emotional abuse of this man. Like, he's clearly willing to do a lot to stop Jong-uk from finding out he's, he's got the king star, he's supposed to be the ultimate ruler, or whatever. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sketchy stuff going on at Songrim, and Naksu is sort of right. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think the show will go so far as to be like, Songrim is evil, Naksu is 100% in the right. She's the only good guy we've ever known here. She's going to kill everyone. Yeah, she will assassinate every... She will be the last remaining magic user. (laughs) (laughs) And rightly so, because she is the (laughs) only good one among us. Like, what? They cannot. They cannot. Don't do this. (laughs) But yeah, she's in the mirror dimension now, which is my favorite part of... The cliffhanger. That's the word. I am really stoked on magic mirror dimensions. Like, get me with that freaking Doctor Strange shit. I love it. I am so into it, and I want to know what's going to happen in there. Give us Naxu's backstory from a different perspective. Give us an alternate timeline with her different life. Give us an explanation as to why Mudok's body is not going crazy, or whatever they call it, and needing to feed on souls. I want to know, where are you going to go with this? Yeah, I'm way excited about that. I will say there are, there was a momentary inconsistency where I didn't quite understand her knowing she was 
The mirror talked to her. She knows she's in a room full of magical artifacts, and she still said, I'm gonna touch it. I'm gonna touch that mirror. <laughs> um, are you not the world's best assassin? Right? Because I don't think the world's best assassin is touching that mirror. You're super... You come from an insane amount of magic. You were probably the most powerful sorcerer, sorceress uh, right before you transferred into a body that couldn't channel your powers. Um, and you've been practicing magic for a really long time, and you said, fuck us up with this mirror. For <laughs> 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 <I> what, Mudok? <laughs> like, they have to be, like, the whole room's enchanted to make her want to go in that mirror. But also, why would they have that mirror? Yeah. <laughs> Just, like, sitting there chilling if anyone was gonna walk into it. Right? And also, once again, so... <sighs> Isn't it supposed to be insanely difficult? So I guess this, they're going to definitely have to answer these questions. Um, yes, I know what questions you're bringing yeah. up. Let's hear them. Uh, so the first one is, is, no one can get into that freaking vault. No, no one can get into that Master room. Master <laughs> Lee can't get into that room. Master Lee had to call the dog spirit out of that room in order to gain access to it because he, the most, pa now, the most powerful person, maybe always the most powerful person, had no way of accessing that room. But apparently, Mooduk did. Yeah. Alone. Like, I could see it being like, the thing is, she's supposed to put the ball in the vault. Yeah. That's her job as the servant, which is weird anyway. It's so weird. It's so weird because that's the family vault of special magic shit. So Why would they ever be like, servants can just go in and out to grab stuff? <laughs> like, no, Choyol should be the one putting it back. Yeah. But if not, be right behind Mudok when she's putting it back. What are you doing? Right? And so either we have to just suspend our disbelief that Mudok just got into the room and by herself, with no supervision, wasn't supposed to be there. No one told her to be there. No one told her how to get in. Or we go with the idea that someone, that people told her, a person who they all assume doesn't have magic, how to get in, where to go, what to do, send her into a room with dangerous magical artifacts that they know they have. And they're like, she stole it and ran. She took it. She took it and she bounced. She she just she took it and she could be like five towns over by now because she's a big fucking thief. And it just <laughs> the math ain't mathing because you send her into a room where you all know there is a dangerous mirror that apparently can just grab people. Just do a little grab mirror. None of this makes sense. None of it, because yes, if, even if you didn't send her in there, one, how could she be in there otherwise? But two, why is she alone in your compound at all, ever? Like, I cannot imagine running a tighter ship than this compound that this family has. And they're like, we're going to bring in a stranger. We're going to let her wander. She's going to get the tour, but not from any of us, just on her own. Like, why would she ever have... A a moment alone. I've done sleepovers that are more supervised than this. 
you ever go to friends' houses? And they're like, you've never been here before. Let's give you a little tour. And then we will be together the entire time. Yeah. And if That's you, how things work. Yeah. If you go to the bathroom, don't worry. My mirror is not magical in there. And you uh-huh. know where it is because we showed you. And it's a room over. I can hear you flush the toilet. Like Yes. Like, I get it. It's TV. I've seen all these TV shows where the teens are like, I'm going to go to the bathroom in the sleepover. And then they just wander around the house and they're like, whoa, this house is spooked. And it's like, (laughs) sure, I guess maybe you have time for that. The sleepovers that I've been to are very much, like you said, like the bathroom's right there. I will hear you flush the toilet. (laughs) I assume you're just going to come right back. And then then I do. And that's it. And they're probably not going to send a non-magical servant who they don't really trust because it's not one of their servants to just go to the bathroom by herself, so. Yeah, because that wasn't even part of the plot. The whole plot was being like, you broke the ball. So where's the big (laughs) reveal? Why is there any space and time for Mudok to just wander around doing a tour of this place when the whole point should be Choyol being like, how do we get in front of my mom? How do we open this box? How do I blame it on Mudok as fast as possible? That's it. Yeah. That's the whole play. Get in, get out. Get in, get out. The whole reason Mudok came to this place is so that we could open this box and get her in trouble. Why is she wandering around? How did you lose her? How did you lose her at all? Make it make sense. Make it make sense. So they have some splaining to do, but I am excited for Mirror Dimension. I just want them to explain why it happened in the way it did. I just feel like there's probably a better equation here that they could have laid out, but... Yeah, I complain. I used the entire episode that we've done to complain about the final three minutes of the show. (laughs) And that is because I fully trust the Hong sisters to bring it back, give us an explanation that makes sense. Like, these writers... Sorry, the Hong sisters wrote this show. I have forgotten to mention it every episode. They also wrote Hotel de Luna. And I want to say You're Beautiful, which is a bit of a wild card. But Hotel de Luna, I think Huayugi as well. So, like, all these beautiful, mystical, magical shows that always came together. They always brought it back. The Hong sisters are going to bring it back for us. They're going to explain it in a way. This is why Raquel and I can complain. This is a safe space because (laughs) we trust the writers so implicitly. Yes, we are in their hands and they are good hands and those hands are good at writing. So, give give us an explanation. Why is she in the room? How did she get in the mirror? Why is Jong-uk the only one who's going to be like, I bet she got sucked into that evil mirror in your stupid room. Yeah. Like, everyone else is like, we're going to manhunt this woman. Like you said, she's five towns over. Like, <laughs> let's spread out our army to find her. And Jong-uk is going to be like, I bet she's still here, just like dead somewhere. Um, yeah. Let's find the body. It was really irresponsible of you guys to leave her alone. Um, by the way, that was my best friend servant so so please don't bring her to your house full of trick items and then just leave her alone (laughs) this engagement is off (laughs) (laughs) for a lot of reasons (laughs) choyo 
Oh, I really do not like Choyo. Oh, I called her Choyo the whole episode, and I looked at my notes. Her name is Choyun. Oh, oops. I did it too. I just followed. I followed uh, because I didn't know her name. You trusted me. You thought you were in good hands. You weren't. <laughs> you were not. Jin Choyun is the name of a person in this show. Choyol is her evil twin who has done all of this mischievous magic. <laughs> Should we just get one clean take of both of us saying her name? Just edit it in <laughs> so <laughs> awkwardly. Nah. <laughs> you don't pay me enough for that. We're going with Choyol. Yeah. We renamed her. It's a fine name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Choyun. Your name is not hard. I hope she gives me a nickname. Yeah, give us bad nicknames that are close to our names, but just not quite right. (laughs) We deserve it. Um, Remember how we've got this weird side plot where Choyun's older sister is missing? Yeah, I thought she was dead. Yeah, okay. I'm really glad because I was convinced the way they talk about her, the way they talk about her is 100% in terms of how you refer to a dead person up until yes. the moment that the mom says well she's coming back so you can't have her room at which point i was like oh it's that kind of magic show we're doing resurrections oh you thought that and I then thought- she was like no she's just yeah, okay. your dad's looking for her and then i was like oh it's not that kind of magic show wait she's alive why does everyone why is everyone like my deepest condolences on the death of your daughter constantly to this family <laughs> and she's the mom's just like i guess thank you yeah. um, she's like she's my not husband's dead literally looking for her he left a few years ago if you all remember to look for her what what yeah um, and then they're all like, well, she's dead to us, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, except for the poor daughter left behind who's like, I just want a bigger bedroom. And Mama's like, no, you get the sad closet um, because my favorite daughter is coming back any day. But you can have the low-level magic rock. <laughs> If that'll make you feel better. (laughs) The little love rock that might make your dumb husband who does not love you fall in love with you. Maybe a little bit. He'll have some some affection. He'll maybe wake up one day and say, you know, you're not so bad. I'll call you by your right (laughs) name, your correct name, (laughs) instead of Chilio. Instead of Chilio. That's to show how much... That's the power of the rock. That's the power of the yin-yang rock. (laughs) Um... I wanted the mom to be the holdout. I wanted her to be a little more, like, no way, no how. Because a couple episodes ago, we got a no way, no how. Let this guy go. He dumped you like a sack of potatoes. And then homegirl's like, but mama, he's going to die in this duel. And mama's like, I guess then you should marry him. And like, what? What a toxic behavior from your own mom! Yeah, I've been struggling. I struggled with that, and then I kind of... Really, the only justification in my mind I could think of was that uh, she wants the power of having the big magic guy, <laughs> the you know, the big main one, to be married to her daughter. I see that. Like, when his power was locked up... 
she was like, it's fine that he breaks it off because he's kind of a liability anyways. Yeah. But now that his power's unlocked, maybe you guys can get married. That's fine. Yeah. Now he'll be the the big magic guy that we need and not the one uh. we deserve or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever the saying is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I see that. But you can't have the big room, which also a little bit real sad because you have one daughter here right in front of you who just wants a bigger room for her husband and herself. But also, I would say no to because I don't support this marriage. I'd be like, no, if you want a bigger house for you and your husband, you should just move out. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, also, girl... You're being pathetic. Don't even stop pining after this dude. I don't know. Yeah, she's just not dishing out the... I don't think calling your kid pathetic is motherly advice, but, like, she's not (laughs) really, like, holding to any solid motherly advice either, so... Yeah. So, just say, like, no, I don't support this marriage. You'll stay in your room. Order your furniture or whatever, but, uh, I hate this. Oh, I hate the marriage thing. It's such a dumb storyline that I wish they'd never included. Yeah. It's exhausting. It makes every character involved a worse person. Even poor Dongu, like, I know that it's cruel for me to relegate him to side character, like, Golden Retriever, who never has super in-depth feelings, but... I don't like that suddenly he's kind of in love with Choyeon and is hurt over this engagement when it seemed like in the first four episodes, they were all just kind of friends, like casual buds. He's like, why are you here? (laughs) Sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) When she showed up. I don't get it, but I guess welcome or whatever. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, they're... The the engagement is announced, and he's got the sad puppy face. Yeah, and not just when he was smelling the, like, love potion that she put on the letter. Because I get that. I get to being like, oh, he's a little bit enchanted, a little bit magically attracted to her. But I think they did it before and after that consistently enough that it's like, he likes her. And you're like, for what? Why does he like her now? She's gotten worse. None of us like her anymore. Yeah, like. She's given up any credibility that she had. So I just hate this for Dongu. I want better for him. Yeah, he doesn't deserve that either. I want to not hate her, but the way she's being, I really hate her and he deserves better than her. 100%. Yes. Let's give, let's find one more female character. If we can just dig her out of the trenches, like, let's find one more female and he can fall in love with her. Yeah. Anyone. It literally... Maybe one of the cool ladies that work at the brothel. <laughs> yes, Jewel, whose yeah. name I finally remembered because yes. she exists purely to stir the pot. Yeah. And I'm like, why not? <laughs> sure. Why not? Sure, just walk in and cause problems. <laughs> See a problem not being enough of a problem and say, I can make this terrible for everyone. <laughs> Your fiance might be in love with that girl. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he carried her home the other day, where they lived together. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe she didn't know that Homegirl would plot to get Mudok flogged to death, but also, girl, girl, do you need to stir that pot that much? It's so messed up. Choyun is dangerous. Yeah. Stop. 
Wow. Oh, but I love it. <laughs> I ship it. She can have a storyline. Let's give her a romance. Give her a storyline. Get her in there. Give her some magic. And let these women have a conversation that isn't about a man. Because <laughs> it didn't Oops. happen in these two episodes. So No, no. Nope. Um, okay, I have two more favorite parts, and then we can wrap up. One, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I really, I really do like the little tiny bits of romance we get between Soyol and Mudok. Like, when she falls into his arm, that's so much more romantic than when Jungkook is like, I'll take you to the top of the tree. Like, yeah. it just hits different. If we're doing romances, I'm on one ship. I just want to tell the audience whose ship I'm on. I'm on Soyuz. I'm on the ship, too, but I know it's sinking, and that's why I'm sad. It's sinking fast. Uh, it's, it's like full of holes. I knew that it was full of holes as it was setting sail. I still crawled onto it, and they're putting more... <laughs> It's sinking faster, and that's what's making, or rather, it's it's going faster. And now we're just going to be in deep water when it sinks. Yes, we'll we're be gonna nowhere. Be in so much pain. Yeah, we'll we'll be nowhere near the shore, and because um, they're giving us too much. So I agree. <laughs> I am also on the ship, but I uh, I want them to reel it in. I want him to reel it in because I don't want to be sad when that romance starts to sour or doesn't work out. Or, like I said, maybe they're going to kill him, you know, and that would be the worst. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think they will. I hope not. But yeah, I have not looked up a cast list or any information on season two, just in case. Just yeah. in case they want to kill someone. But yeah, I I want it. I know it's not going to happen. So let's build a really strong friendship from it. We're going to see what we get. Um, the other thing I thought was hilarious was the chased tea. Oh I think God. it's something that we've said this show does really well, is talking about sexuality in a very funny and, like, tactful adult way. Yeah. I thought that that was hilarious, but I also, it just made me so proud of Mujuk, who was like, yeah, seems like an easy price to pay. Whereas, like, see, that's that's the female perspective, where she's just like, <laughs> no. I'll drink the tea. I'll drink. I'll give up my libido to be strong as shit. I don't care. <laughs> I don't know why you're not. Oh. And all of the men are just so bummed about it, except Master Lee. Uh, like, obviously, Jungkook is is freaking out about it, which was hilarious. But then when um Seo Yul kind of catches on to what it is and he just kind of sets the cup down and he's like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fair. Oh, that's fair. I didn't catch on to the gender split. I think because they had Master Lee be so devoted to it first and foremost and just being like, and that's like a historical thing, like eunuchs. Are, are a thing that existed to be like, we are not going to indulge in our libido. We are going to tamper that and do our jobs. And like, yeah, that wasn't... So in, in my mind, that wasn't a gendered thing. But I love that we got some discussion of, yeah, these young men being like, I'm not ready for that commitment. I really want to be strong. I don't want to be that strong, I guess. I guess that's my limit. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm pretty strong for me. I'm capped out at the level of still has a libido. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're like, it's just funny. 
it's just good to have like different characters who have different boundaries and limits and set those throughout the show. And I liked that. They give a little a little tiny bit of sexual autonomy in these episodes that they really did not have in the first few. Yeah. I guess it comes and goes. But it com- like Yeah. It they they will like present it and then be like, ah, never mind. And then they'll they'll <laughs> come up again and they'll be like, but this is pretty funny and I'm they get me every time. I like it. Yep. It's interesting. It's an interesting show. I like it. I think this show is funny and charming and good. And I like the characters. I'm always excited to watch more. Yeah. I am. I, I'm interested. This show has invoked interesting feelings because even though there's stuff that up, like frustrates me and we start out at the top with a rant every week, they, they have so much going for them in all of the characters and the writing and the storylines that I am still excited about it, even as I'm aware that they might piss me off again. <laughs> yeah, that's well put. Okay, do you have anything else you want to add before we do our outro? Um, I am all set, uh, but if there's any thoughts, feelings, something in your heart that we didn't discuss, uh, you can email us at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. You can find our website with all of our episodes as well as link to our affiliates, and you can sign up for our newsletter all at playonkate.com. Yeah, we also have our Patreon where we post, um, if you're interested, it's playonk.com slash, or sorry, patreon.com slash playonk. I always get that flipped. And you can find, um, for, for some small donations that help us keep the lights on, uh, pre-show chats attached to all of the episodes posted there where we just, you know, it's share. We just overshare sometimes. <laughs> sometimes we just talk about other content that we've been watching. It's really fun. Um, and you can find that at Patreon. Yeah, you can find us on all of your favorite social media sites like Instagram, we are at Play on K Podcast. Twitter, we're at Play on K. Or I guess that's X now, we're at Play on K. I've <laughs> literally not logged onto that app for a year. Um, don't don't add us there. Just know we're there. Yeah. And on TikTok, we're at Play on K underscore Emily. Yeah, and then um we do have just we always like to shout it out, the best way to support the podcast completely for free is to rate review and subscribe wherever you listen particularly apple podcasts really helps out because i think that's how the what the google machine uses to to pull us up if people find are doing a lot of reviews and stuff so um yeah just wherever wherever you do that it helps other k-drama podcast listeners find us Thank you, as always, for listening to another episode of Play on Kate. We will see you next week for Alchemy of Souls, episodes 7 and 8. Yeah, K-bye. K-bye. Bye-bye.